Welcome to Let's Talk Land, a weekly international land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling and ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Learn from the experts, guys. This is free land education, hard to find there, but we've got, we're going to solve that problem with my, our guest today. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell, and I'm accredited land consultant. Our office is at 207 East Main Street in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. And our company website is www.mylandpro.com, mylandpro.com. All of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and to our members. Our national website is www.rli for Realtors Land Institute and then the word land, rliland.com. Now, I want you to listen to me. If you're interested in buying or selling land or farms, go to that website anywhere in the country and find one of our 2,000 members and one of our 650 ALCs like myself because we're the only land education other until next week uh, out there and we are highly trained and we will save you money if you're buying and we'll make you more money for selling. That's www.rliland.com. Hey, we'd like to thank our sponsors, landhub.com. Buying or selling land, landhub.com is the place to be. And our other sponsor, AcreValue, looking to find out what your neighbor's property sold for, just go to acrevalue.com. It's a great site. Both of them are. Okay, our guest this morning is Cheryl Sang. Welcome, Cheryl. Hello, Lou. Thank you so much for having me on today. Oh, welcome back, actually. You were on podcast, yeah, podcast one twenty six, and this is podcast one twenty nine. So uh, we want to pick up. There's a lot happened over those couple of years since you were actually here in the studio, as I remember, and um, and uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, and introduce you to a new program that we're we're sharing. Um, you were born and raised in a small town in Waxhaw. I grew up in Charlotte, and it was a small town. Uh, Cheryl grew up at as a tomboy in the quick streak, loving horses, guns, animal art, and crafts, and playing in the dirt, which is probably the source of her love for the land business. Is that true? That is true. Okay. That's true. <laughs> After graduating from Sun Valley High School in the early 1980s, she enlisted in the United States Air Force to serve her country as means to afford college education. Thank you for your service. How many years were you in the service? Air Force. I was in four years active, and then I was uh, three years reserve and guard. Yeah, it's a air traffic controller stationed yes. at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Yes, I sure was. It oh. was that was a fun time to be in Myrtle Beach. Uh, yeah, I bet it was a fun time with all the traffic coming in. God, I don't know how they do mm. that stuff. But anyway, after a discharge from the Air Force, she stayed in the Air National Guard for another three years. So you put seven in altogether, right? I did. I sure did. Good for you. She's a single mom with three children, two boys and a girl. Her two boys are both Eagle Scouts. I am also one. One is a Marine. Thank them for their service as well. They just uh, re, uh, revisited. What am I writing here? <laughs> anyway, other than other, the other is an engineer and her daughter's in college studying to be a, in the dental field, but she's actually been uh, – uh, is she graduated yet? What's going on with her? No, she's got. She's actually studying for uh, her dental exam, uh, uh, entrance exam to some dental schools this summer. So she's got one more year for her undergrad, and then she'll be probably three or four years in dental school. Well, good for her. Wow. you got some great kids there. So hey, after a hey. short time in residential sales, <laughs> boo, and commercial <laughs> land sales became more uh, her passion. Wonder why. And so her success in brokerage, and you got an incredible background in that, brokerage land deals and managing portfolios begin. What year was that, roughly? What, what year was what, Lou? Well, when you, when you got your license and started in real estate, and then when you oh, transitioned oh, oh, to uh, land. 2003. Okay. That's when I started teaching the Land 101 class. And if I remember right, Cheryl, I think you took my Land 101 two-day class Back in 2005 is what I think I remember. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's when we met. Yeah, right. I remember. And um, and uh, so what got you into land? Well, you know, when I first started um, real estate, I had three small children. My daughter was still in um, a carrier, and I was trying to sell houses and um, 
taking a baby around showing houses was really a challenge for me. And when I was in the office, I would pass her around to other agents to hold while I would do paperwork and stuff like that. And I happened upon a lot listing, and it it went really fast, and it was super easy for me. And I thought, well, maybe this is what I should be doing while I've got small children. And it just kind of went on from there. I found a, uh, I started looking for vacant lots and uh, parcels and just asking everyone if they wanted to sell. And then found a mentor for a while. And uh, that's really how I got into it and fell in love with it. It just seemed yeah. so much more natural for me to sell land than it did houses. And you found a wonderful okay. instructor that gave you two days of knowledge about land, Land 101. Amen. Which is our base <laughs> class for Realtors Land Institute, one of 12. So, uh, right. yeah, and, and then you go right. from there. I, I don't know how many students I have since I've been teaching, uh, but I've taught in multiple states the two-day class and then started the, uh, the four-hour CE class that we'll be launching virtually. I've been teaching it live on June 1st. So we'll talk about That's that. That's wonderful. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that, and, uh, and you're going to be joining us, I hope. Cheryl resides and still resides in a small town in Wesley Chapel near Charlotte. What side? I'm not familiar with Wesley Chapel for some reason. On the south side of Charlotte. Okay, I got you. Pinehurst down yeah, that way. Uh, no, it's uh, like Weddington, Waxhaw. Weddington, Waxhaw. Okay, um, yeah. southeast. Yeah. That that yeah. area. Yeah. Uh, west of Chapel. Yeah, Indian Trail down. Uh, we're in between. Uh, you know, South Carolina and Monroe and Charlotte. So it's kind of a little triangle area. Yeah, I remember my dad was in real estate when I was growing up, and um, and uh, we were going to visit some relatives that we had in Monroe, which is due east mm -hmm. of Charlotte. Mm, what 25 miles maybe 30 i'm not i don't remember and um it was a four-lane highway and as we would go along you would see spot development you know here and you go two or three miles and you see one on the other side of the road that's right and my dad made a yeah. comment he said uh he said it won't be that long that uh, there'll be a, something built on both sides of this road between charlotte and monroe and uh sure enough it is right that's correct yeah it is it's packed there's very little land left i think between the two so we're going to move into uh, uh, this incredible book that you wrote now in its second edition, um, and uh, it's called Ten Things You Need to Know About Land. Ten Things You Need to Know About Land. It's a, it's a how-to guide about lots and vacant land uh, for agents, investors, and for you, you, the listening audience out there, okay? And uh, tell us how you, what, what the germ was, because I wrote a book back in uh, 2006, I believe, uh, but I never had it published. I wrote it more, Cheryl, just to organize. I got my license in 94, but to organize the elements around land and to see where I was, what my, uh, what my uh, the positive things were and what my deficiencies were. And, uh, of course, I, will, I share it with people. And it's, it's, you read it, didn't you, uh, Teresa? Yes. What did you think? I loved it. What did you love about it? It was me, wasn't it? It was you. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> so, we, go ahead. No, I was going to say thank you so much for mentioning it. You're very kind. Um, it, it's been a labor of love. I started it about six years ago. Uh, it took me about two and a half years to write the first edition of it. Yeah, I think we met in, um, Char we met in Charlotte, didn't we? One time when yes, we were just starting, starting out and kind of shared some ideas. I remember that. That's right. That's right. Before I before it was ever published, you and I met because I wanted to share my ideas with you, and uh, you were you were very kind and generous with information and very supportive, and I, I'm grateful for that um, because you you've kind of kind of been there hand in hand with me along the whole way with super support, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. But I think you saw the value as Absolutely. I did and the need for it more than anything. Well, you know what's um, you know what's interesting. Part of my research was um, I was trying to find out how many books were on the subject of land. Mm -hmm. And I went to Barnes & Noble or one of them, and I don't remember, but there was a section of, called the real estate section. You can go if there are them out there now. But uh, there was just shelves and shelves of books and multiple titles. And I think I spent five or six hours there just taking each book and going to the index and looking for the four-letter word land, L-A-N-D. And... Cheryl, believe it or not, I think I found two books that even mentioned land, and one of them mentioned it one time, which was not significant, and the other one mentioned it twice, and it was much better. There was just no books out there 
uh, other than two that, that I share in my class, one that Dr. Seltzer wrote uh, God, 20 years ago, and one of our ALC presidents, who's, what, in his 80s now, Teresa? We had him on the show. And, uh, uh, and, uh, but other than that, there wasn't anything. There was no articles, really, you could find. When the Google came out, Google searches, there were very few articles. So it's come a long no, ways. True. It's come a long ways. But, uh, yeah, it, it really has. And, you know, mine started out literally as a checklist because, um, and you and I have spoke about this many times, but for the audience, um, just to give you a background of how it, it came about, um, I, I'm a land broker, and I tried to find uh, parcels and tracts of land for developers and builders. And uh, on the MLS, whenever there would be a listing come up, um, a new listing for land, of course, I would call the agent and get whatever information they had. And it just seemed like over and over and over, it would be a residential agent that happened upon a land listing, and they had no information. And when I would ask them certain things about the property, they just had no idea of where to find the information or what I was talking about or that sort of thing. So I would spend, as I'm sure you did as well, a lot of time on the phone explaining to them what we were looking for, where to find the information, and to get back to us. So um, I thought, well, hey, I'm just going to develop a checklist, and I don't have to go through all this. I'll just email them a checklist and say, hey, fill this out and send it back. And as I was developing the checklist and had other people look at it, they're like, well, what does that mean? Can you, like, put a little guide in the back, you know, saying what that means? And so then the guide, the checklist turned into a guide, and um, I ran into, everybody knows Bill Gallagher. He's one of the most (laughs) well-known CE educators in North and probably South Carolina as well. He's one of my favorite people. And I had Bill look through it and he gave me some really good information and said, Cheryl, I really think you need to expand on this chapter and this chapter and this chapter. So I followed his guide, and then I thought, well, I need to have a, a, a specialist or, um, you know, a professional look at this particular chapter, you know, maybe on deeds. I had an attorney look at that, and maybe for survey chapters, a professional surveyor and that sort of thing. So uh, it actually, after I got through with all of their input, it turned into a book. So... Then I had to figure out how to get it published. <laughs> yeah, that was the fun part. Let me let me clear, clarify something for our listening audience, okay? There's no land education in the real estate industry. There never has been. When all these realtors go to real estate school around the country, in North Carolina we have over 106,000 licensed agents, okay? And they sit through that, what was it, Teresa, 180 hours? Yeah. Yeah, 180 hours of classroom instruction, I don't think they spent, what, one minute or two minutes on the subject or land or commercial or property management because the industry uh, is basically 98% of the realtors in the United States sell houses. That's in the, the rest of it are the commercial brokers, the property management, and us land guys and gals. That's right. And it's not, and the, know, it's not the fault of the agent that they don't know, Cheryl. How would you know? That's exactly right. They don't know what they don't know. And there's no one really out there teaching them. When I when I first had this idea, I, I reached out to some um, what I thought were some good instructors, and I said, "Look, I will help you write this if if you will teach it because these agents need this stuff." And and I got crickets. You know, nobody nobody reached back out to me, and I realized after a while it was because they couldn't teach it because they don't know it. No. And that's that's when I really realize that, you know, I've got to do this and help help these residential agents. The thing that, that surprises me most, and it's been so exciting for me teaching here the past couple of months, is that the, the agents are now realizing, gosh, we need to know land. And I tell them, houses, except for houseboats, sit on land. Yeah. You need to know what's in the dirt under the house. Cheryl, I'm going to give and, us a break here, if I may. Our guest today, Cheryl Sang a great publisher and now a land instructor. We'd like to thank our sponsors, LandHub.com, looking to buy or sell land. LandHub previews thousands of properties nationwide. And Acre Value, today's sponsor, if you want to know who owns the field down the road and what it sold for last year, go to Acre Value. So I always love the word crickets. You know, we hear that a lot today. But um, I went through the same exact thing uh, for years, for years. 
I uh, had met <coughs> uh, Pete Chenery, who's passed now, uh, who's very active, a commercial broker in Raleigh, and was on our state board and uh, different offices, and uh, just befriended me. He took my class, had it at a vineyard, believe it or not, two days at a vineyard with a, with a uh, eight course uh, and five wine tasting uh, fundraiser uh, for the uh, St. Jude's uh, and had about 40 some students. But, you know, he kind of mentored me and I would go up to Raleigh and spend the night or we'd have a meeting, you know, like the uh, mid-year meeting or one of the real estate meetings. And, and we'd started writing this book. And, we, you know, so this went on for about two years. And finally, uh, he passed away. So here I was, I'm not a writer, you know, I started writing articles, I had people editing for me because I was too embarrassed to put them out there with my own handwriting. And, uh, but anyway, so several years passed, and I was been teaching the LAM 101 class since 2003 for the Realtors Land Institute. And I want to correct something too, so there's no misunderstanding. There is land education for, the, for those that want to attend it, which is called the Realtors Land Institute, which... It's where I got my designation, accredited land consultant, and we're 79 years old. So we've been in one form or fashion having land education around the country, but we only got 2,000 members out of 1.5 million. So in our classes are three, four, and five hundred dollars, and to get the ALC you have to have six classes, three required. One of them's the land 101 class that I teach, and then uh, timber class, forestry class, uh, subdivision class, transitional land class and uh, mapping class, a 1031 class, uh, and uh, it's quite comprehensive. They're two-day classes and you're tested in 10 million in sales. So it's not something that every agent out there that may do a land uh, sale once in a while uh, is gonna you know, invest that type of money and time to get accreditation that, you know, that, that, that doesn't really mean that much to them. So, right, yeah, you're right. So uh, I ran into Phil Rector, I'll give him kudos, who's also very active. I'm in the Winston MLS, North Carolina, uh, at, a C, at, a, at a CE uh, class. And in North Carolina, we have to have eight hours, four hours required, every realtor to keep their license. They don't have to be active, but to keep their license, or they start all over again, has to have that eight hours and paid the four hour, $40 to keep, keep it active. So uh, anyway, I ran into him. He says, how's your land class doing? And he said, well, Louie said, it's not, I said, I'm not, it's not going anywhere. He said, well, I'm on the North Carolina Real Estate Education Foundation. They just put me on the board. He said, let me see if I can get you an audience there, and because and, that's our job. We're supposed to help create courses for, our, for the state. So I got invited. I went down and made a presentation, and a lot of the people I knew, and they, uh, they agreed to uh, fund a class. They hired Debbie Long, uh, who is one of our top instructors, uh, actually uh, chapter president, uh, but um, she was paid $5,000 to write the course. Of course, I fed her the material, and uh, we went back and forth and, and, and edited and stuff, but she actually uh, wrote the course, and I did the, uh, the PowerPoint. And um, so, anyway, I started teaching it uh, back in 2018 as the only land class in the, in the history of North Carolina. So uh, wow. later I went back and... and, uh, and uh, uh, paid for the course, reimbursed NC Reef, and I, I actually own the course now. But, you know, with this radio show, Teresa and I have had, we've been doing it going on our sixth year all over the world, and we interview accredited land consultants all over the country, have for years, because we want to support, you know, our, our organization. And Teresa's right, they, we haven't found one state that has a CE accredited class, is that right, on the subject of land? This is it, right? Yeah. Our class, mine and yours, Cheryl. So, uh, you know, you're right. It's, uh, uh, it's not the real estate agent's fault that they don't have knowledge about these issues that you're talking about in your book and in your class. Uh, you know, where do you go get it? So we're taking uh, this LandPro Educational Services Company that we just launched. Uh, the Real Estate Commission gave, uh, gave us rights to be a school now. And uh, you're joining us, the great Mary Love up in Nashville, who teaches the, uh, the green certification. It's a two-day course to get the green certification. And that's also approved for CE nationwide. And then she has an eco class that she's taught for years. Uh, so we're gonna build this, this uh, land pro education services company around classes that relate to land only uh, and get this out around the country and help these folks. 
So, Teresa, you got some questions? Oh, I got all kinds of questions. Go for it. Well, <laughs> it's your turn. Well, but my questions are things that are in the book, so I didn't know if you guys. Yeah, that's wanted where we to... are. We're in the book. Okay. All right. Well, I'm in chapter five because surveys is always where I run into questions. I know last time we discussed this, and I still would like a little bit more clarity on who's responsible for the survey, the buyer, the seller, and when is, is it ever appropriate for the seller to do it, or is it all just negotiable, or why is it better for one or the other? I always get that question when people, when I ask people well, about that, surveys, because they're yeah. like, well, they own the land. Why, why aren't they surveying it? Well, I'm buying it. I need to, you know, it doesn't do the seller any good because he's selling the land. He's going, he doesn't need it. And then the other yeah, thing I've, is a lot of banks yeah. and lenders, they require it. Right. Updated surveys. Every piece of land has a survey. But what's your point on it, Cheryl? Well, I'm glad you asked. So, um, you know, I've been teaching a few classes, and surveys is my large, my longest um, chapter in the book, and it's probably one of the longest uh, sections in the uh, in-person class as well. And one thing that I learned uh, about North Carolina that I did not know, and then I'll get back to answering your question here in a moment. Um, in North Carolina, we are not required to record the, the uh, survey. And I didn't realize that. Um, and when I researched it, it was confirmed. In South Carolina, they, they record the survey with the D. But in North Carolina, you must request that. And when you request that, when the survey is ordered, then the surveyor will mark it on the, the survey, and then the attorney will reference that in the D, which is huge because you need to make sure that they're tied together, in my opinion. I can't see a time when you would not want the, the uh, survey recorded with the deed at the courthouse um, as a reference. So that, that was something that was, that was uh, huge information to find out. And I would definitely educate my clients whenever I'm working with them to say, hey, we're going to get a survey, but we also want to make sure the, the uh, surveyor knows that we're going to want it recorded at the courthouse and let the attorney know as well. Now, getting back to your question about who pays for it and who's responsible, of course that's negotiable. But me as a buyer, I always, always tell my buyers, get a survey. I don't care if the seller got one last week because there's a great story in my book that I talk about who done it. It's called the Who Done It story. And um, someone, I was selling a piece of property at one time for um someone I knew and um, the I was the listing agent but I also because it was a lot in a neighborhood it was a great great lot it was two acres it was the end of the cul-de-sac it was one of the last lots in the whole entire neighborhood to be developed and so uh, I took it to a custom builder and he was really excited he paid full price for it it was a couple of acres a um, couple of days into it he was doing his due diligence and he went down to the courthouse and looked at the plat map of it. And I didn't know this, uh, and I, I don't want to give the whole story away, but he called me up and he said, hey, Cheryl, what are you trying to pull on me? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, someone has tampered with the survey. I said, what do you mean? Um, so someone, he had a copy of the survey that I gave him that I got from the seller of the lot who got it from the original seller. Hold on. Excuse me, I got to sneeze. Oh, it's oh, sneezing. <laughs> it's getting catchy. And yeah, so, um, I'll be next. Anyway, he he said that the um, the survey I gave him um, compared to the one on the plat map down at the courthouse showed a debris burial pit in the middle of the lot. Oh, you've had so some Lou, of those. Lou, I'm sure you're familiar with this. Way back when, uh, they don't do it now, but way back when, when, when subdivisions were being developed, a long time ago, they would take, like, the worst lot or the last lot they were going to sell. They would dig a big hole, and they would throw old stumps and tree limbs and debris in there like that, and then they would cover it over with soil, 
and that would just be uh, a lot that they didn't mess with for a while. And they'd wait for that to biodegrade in hopes that by the time they finished the neighborhood, it would be ready. Um, so what had happened was the survey that the seller had given to me uh, did not show the debris burial pit on the survey. So I immediately called her and I said, was this the survey that you ordered when you purchased the lot? Because I wasn't involved in that transaction. She said, no, the real nice guy that we bought the lot from gave it to us so we could save some money. And I said, well, we got a little bit of a problem yeah. here. <laughs> so um, long story short, he had to end up getting um, borings done and could not find any debris anywhere. It had biodegraded, I guess, over the years. Uh, the soils were bad, so he had uh, they were bull tallow soils, which uh, you know is another chapter that I go into in my book and talk about soils. And um, it all turned out well. We had to reduce the price of the lot to get it sold. But I don't care if it was a survey done last week. I always tell my buyers, if I'm working with a buyer, get a new survey. Um, because a lot of them don't want to spend the money, but it's the most um, it's the best money you can spend when you're purchasing, in my opinion. And have it recorded because surveyors, guess what? They die or they go out of business or stuff's lost. The owner doesn't have a copy. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, if you record it, it's there forever. Uh, whatever ever is. I always say ever in one day just in case. But, uh, That's correct. You know, so, and it's not that. It's, it's, it's a few more steps for the surveyor. They have to do, use two control points, a little bit more time in the field, and they got to uh, take it to the courthouse and have it recorded. So there's uh, time to travel and do that, plus the fee That's to right. record it. So, yes, it's a few yeah. dollars more, but it's worth it. So Absolutely, absolutely. So what if it's a, say, 20-acre track and they're only selling off five acres of it? Who does the survey so, then? Yeah, so if the seller has not had that subdivided off, like if they're like, we got 20 acres and we'll sell five acres of it. And then, you know, my question, if I'm working with the buyer, is have you already had it surveyed and surveyed off what you want to sell? And if they say no, then I would definitely um, want that to be something that the seller did so that we know exactly what they're willing to sell. Now, they may say, well, I'm not going to spend the money, but I can, you know, I'll sell this off. So, so what you may have to do is get a map and, you know, of the property, lay it out like an old sur older survey and kind of uh, kind of draw where you think the, the line is going to be and make sure he's okay with that. And then I would definitely ask them to help uh, in the cost of that since, it's, since they don't have it already subdivided off. Yeah. That's kind of what I was wondering. But, and it's all negotiable, Teresa. It's all yeah. negotiable, of oh, course. Yeah. yeah. Well, that helps. That helps me to understand that because I just run into that. And and that's what we've done. Sure. We, we split the cost between the buyer and the seller. So when you split the cost between the buyer and the seller, and I noticed in your book, who owns the survey? I thought that was interesting. So that, that whoever pays for it owns it. So if they both pay for it, then I guess they would both get a copy and own it. Um, that's a great question, but they would both own the survey, I would imagine, since they're both paying for it. All right. Wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah, I would think so. That's, that's what I thought. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. we got about a minute left here. Oh, okay. Um yeah, the surveys is one of the it's one of the the most important chapters I think in the book. And as long as we can encourage our buyers or sellers to continue getting surveyed, no matter what, because you know things change over the years. We get, um, you know, if they they expand sewer lines and it's on a piece of property, then there's more setbacks, things of that nature. You know, lines change when you have a bunch of storms and the creek bed is the boundary of the property. So surveys are super important that you can have more land or less land. So I, I just think especially, we all, yeah, you especially know, the older surveys, what, yeah. the methodologies changed over the years. They used to pull poles, then they pulled chains. But anyway, mm -hmm. this is Cheryl Sane, our guest today. This is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, LandHub.com. View thousands of properties for sale at LandHub.com and AcreValue. AcreValue is the only website I need to do research on land. So, 
Tell us about more of the chapters of the book. Just highlight some of them. Please. I got another question. Uh oh, here comes Teresa. I got another question <laughs> uh -oh. because the last thing that we talked about led me to think about a question while we were sitting here talking. So, okay. first of all, how do they know that there's a debris pit? How does that surveyor know that? Do you know? I mean, well, from my understanding, when they do, you know, there's a difference between a plat map and a plot. And I teach this in my class because although they sound similar, they're very different. The plat, let's say you've got a large tract of land, and the plat is the whole, it's the survey of the whole property. But within that plat map, when they subdivide and make it into lots or different sections, that's called a plot. So when a master, um, a master plat is drawn up and showing all the plots and everything, they have to show where the debris burial pit is, and that's where they that's where they find it, is in the one lot that showed the debris burial pit, and it literally says it on the survey, debris burial pit. Okay, so that leads me to the question of the next thing you said was you done borings and the soil appeared to be okay. Yeah. So what, what's um, up with that? This is kind of a funny story, but I'll finish it up. So. Um, so my client went out there, they brought this big machine in and it bored holes way down into the ground and it would pull the, it would pull the, um, the pole up and it would empty out the soil so you could see exactly what was in the soil. And they would check all the soil out there to make sure, you know, if it had like um, wood debris where it had not decomposed, then you would be able to know, okay, this is the area where the debris burial pit was. Um, my client uh, is a strong Christian. She went out there and she's praying over this machine and the whole time they're doing <laughs> oh, these borings, which was so funny. Um, but they never found anything. And all the soil borings they did, they couldn't find anything. No debris. So it had decomposed, I guess, over the years and had, you know, just rotted and disintegrated and became part of the soil. Or been misrepresented. Um, it could have been misrepresented by someone, that, you know you know, maliciously, but, and then they do that in grids, you know, they go whatever, 10 feet or 15 feet sure. in grids, so they're covering sure. that area uh, extensively. It's like what they do with the ice borings to go back millions of years in, in, uh, in the poles, and uh, they can test all the atmosphere and the soils and the chemicals, and uh, this was a, you know, volcanic period, but yeah, it's very, very, uh, very extensive, but you know these old these old farms. I mean, we've got 900 acres that my great granddaddy and granddaddy bought 18 farms between 1909 and 1929, and uh, and we go and there was always some place on the on the farm where it was an area that washed. You couldn't farm it, and uh, that's where you disposed of your wash machines and your bottles and uh, anything else. It was uh, just like the uh, the county garbage dump or city garbage dump. Uh, you, you hauled it down to that area, and this went on for years and years and years and years. So, uh, yeah. And then some of that, the soils covered it, and you know, you don't know it's there, and the people that put it there has died. Uh, you know, so it's uh, it's forensic surveying. It's what it's called, testing it out. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, did that answer your question? It did. Lisa? It did answer my question. So, the moral of that story is: now I understand why, when you buy a lot, you should have it surveyed. Absolutely. It will tell you a lot, no pun intended, about the, about the property. Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah. I know that the buyer is standing there looking at an at a acre lot, and they're saying, well, why do I need a survey? I can see where it looks like everything is. What's the point? Yeah. So now I, that help, that helps me to understand what to say to my client and why. Yeah, it will help you to educate them right, right. Uh, a lot, honestly. Um they, they don't, they too don't know what they don't know. And this is one of the things that, that I teach in class too. You know, we, when we are looking at something or we've got a buyer and they, they want to see something, we'll go, our first thing is to go to the GIS website and we'll pull up a map of the property and print it off and show it to them, right? Well, the thing that they don't understand is that's not a survey. How did they know that that's not a survey unless we tell them, especially if they're young? And this is one of the first times they've purchased anything. So we have to educate them because, as you know, uh, the GIS system is an approximation. 
it's not accurate. Right. It's just an approximation. But who educates them so they're educated? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We, we, yeah exactly. So we, we, we've exactly. solved that problem, I hope. Yeah. So, um, so it just really the, um, the, the whole thing is teaching agents so they know what to look for and they can better serve the consumer and educate them. Because, you know, like I said earlier, everything sits on land except for houseboats. And we need to understand what is under the soil of that property. And um, surveying will be is, is the number one yeah. thing to show you because you can't see easements underground. And just to and, make, make a point, these classes are not just for real estate agents or real estate uh, realtors. No, they're for everyone. They're for everyone, landowners, uh, appraisers. Yeah. You know, there's no land education in the appraisal industry either. Oh, that's too bad. Well, it just is You isn't. know, it's, it's funny you brought that up because in the very beginning of my book, in uh, one of the early pages, I put who will benefit from this book. And, of course, real estate consumers and the public, but, you know, newly licensed agents are learning so much because I've had quite a few new agents, and they're just like, you know, deer in the headlights sitting there listening to everything. Um, seasoned real estate agents who have who are supervising other agents as well, like, you know, these, these large firms that have uh, office assistants putting in the information, like for uh, listings and things like that, if they're educated on land, they'll, they'll know when something's missing and what to look for if they understand it. Um, you know, consumers who've inherited property, this is a huge, huge problem for them that they need, they need, they don't know if they've never had to deal with property and they inherit something, they have no idea what they've got. They don't know what maybe the future land use plan is for that property. And, um, you know, if someone comes along and offers them money and they don't know the value of the property, truly know the value and its potential, they can lose a lot of money. Yeah, leave a lot of money on the table. You know, the, uh, mm -hmm. the banks, the, especially the underwriters, Teresa, uh, the stuff we've had to go through in that last deal uh, with the underwriters, uh, asking for stuff they didn't understand, well, you can't put the the, uh, the well over here. There's not enough room. It's eight acres, lady, <laughs> right? I yeah. mean, and other stuff. Uh, putting a putting a plat. I mean, putting a footprint of where the home's going. The home ain't even been built yet. The buyer hadn't decided exactly where they want it. I mean, you know, it's uh, they don't understand the steps that's involved. But uh, like I said, no, they don't. Well, yeah, and I do. I did add that to the uh, second edition of the book. Um, and I know you uh, you had mentioned that you wanted me to kind of take you through the steps of how this came about, and um, I'd love to do that if you've got just no. This is list. your show. Okay. So so like I said when I earlier, I had started with a checklist, which turned into a guide, and then it turned into a book. And the original book was smaller, and um, it was just a couple of years ago. Twenty twenty was when I um, first published the the first edition of it. And then um, after it had gotten out there, I had a lot of people asking, are you going to teach on it? Are you going to teach if you got a course? So I thought, well, I'll develop an online course. That way anybody can take it anytime, anywhere. And, and that went well. But during the um, development of the online self-paced course, I realized um, that I had gathered a lot more information with illustrations and um, you have to do questions and quizzes and things like that when you do an online course. So I wanted to, to add that to the book as well. But my illustrations were huge. And I gathered a few stories um, over that couple of years as well. And once I finished the, the course, I thought, you know, I really need to update the book and put, you know, make it, make it better with these illustrations and quizzes and, you know, cover um, developments and stuff like that. So I started working on that. Um, it took me about six months after I finished the uh, in-person course, I mean the uh, online course, and uh, cleaned the book up a little bit, made it bigger, and um, self-published the second one, believe it or not. Wow, good for you, girl. Yeah, and, and it's doing quite well. How long has it been um, out? It's been out a couple of months. It well, hasn't been out very long. Where do you get a copy um, of it? Uh, you can get it on Amazon and make sure you look for the second edition. It's 19.95, I believe. Uh, we bumped it up a little bit on the price because it is a much bigger book and it has a lot more information for you. But um, it, it's doing quite well. 
and and I'm so glad I've got something of quality out there for everyone. Um, well, that's a lot of that's, infor- that's a lot of information for a twenty dollar bill. <laughs> you know, really, it should be a lot more for the information. To be honest with you, um, but you know, something priced at that amount, I feel like a lot more people can afford it sure. and do it, because really, it's priced for anyone, and. Um, and it's being sold all over the country. Yeah. It's doing it's doing very well. And I have not marketed it at all. So I think you've helped market as much as anybody. Uh, well, <laughs> hey, listen, it's it's definitely needed in our industry. Uh, quite frankly, with all my background and all my research and all of my experience, uh, this, this is the best thing that's been out there. And congratulations on that. I'm serious. Thank uh, you, Luke. No, Thank it's, you so it's, much. It's, uh, it's a must-read uh, for anyone that's even – breathing the word land or farms uh it's well uh, or just or if you own a home yeah you know even if you own a home or a piece a of lot. property or you've inherited, inherited something you need to understand your property that you own and i don't think the agents um especially if they don't understand land can really help the um the consumer understand what they need to know about their property you know, especially, uh, you know, in our area, Lou, just, you know, this, we've got so many people moving from these large cities that are wanting to get out a little bit further, and they've never been exposed to a, a, a well or a septic system. That's true. And, you know, we need to educate them on that as well. You were talking about your property you're working on. You know, a lot of agents don't realize that you have to have, you have, to have at least 100 foot between a well and a a septic system, and the reason for that is so that the septic system does not, um, you know, contaminate the well, the drinking water. Exactly, and they don't realize that it, it's all based on bedrooms, the septic system. It's not based, you could have 50 people living in the house. It doesn't make sense, that's but right. that's just the way they do it. That's right. And these, you have to have a 100-foot tail line, uh, Leedsville, 100-foot per bedroom. So that's 900 mm-hmm. feet, and it doesn't have to be all in one line or two lines or three lines. It doesn't have to be on flat land. It can be on contour, but it takes up a lot of room. And then you have to reserve on that lot or that piece of land the same amount of area. So if that system fails in part or whole, uh, you've reserved an area that's not been disturbed. Uh, yeah. To, to, uh, yeah, it's to, called a repair yeah, field. Yeah, repair mm-hmm. field. So th- there's a that's lot exactly to That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and those are just... Some of the things that, that I teach in, in the CE course to help the agents better understand what they're selling or what they're, you know, helping their clients buy. So, um, yeah, it's, been, it's just been so awesome. Uh, you and I were talking, you know, before, the, uh, before we started this podcast about how receptive the agents are and they're clapping after our classes yeah. because they're so excited uh-huh. about the information they're learning. And golly, there's nothing that makes you feel better than at the end of the class and they're clapping for you. You're like, well, I guess that was some good information, yeah, exactly. you know, because I can't remember ever clapping after a CE class. <laughs> I can't either. The <laughs> only thing I remember <laughs> clapping is when we introduced the uh, land as a specialty, and I started that mo- 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 movement back in 2008, went through the Professional Standards National Meeting uh, mm-hmm. for two years, and uh, I wasn't able to attend. I think it was in Orlando, and uh, and they were voting on it, and uh, our uh, CEO at the time uh, got me on the phone prior to the vote and said, well, they're voting, and you could hear, yay, yay, yes, yes. You know. And at the end of it, there was a standing ovation. And I've talked oh, to people who's awesome. been on that for years, and they said they've never passed anything in that committee with a standing ovation. So, you know, it's there's something out there, and that's what keeps talking to my heart. And uh, Teresa's is, uh, you know, and that's what this show's all about. You know, I pay for this. I, I don't know how much I've got in. I don't care. Uh, I give this back and, and uh, it, it to help people. And I have students. Uh, I'll probably get at least one call a week, sometimes as many as three from around the country or, you know, the people that I've taught. And, Lou, I've got this situation. This is what I'm working on. I haven't done this uh, acreage. I haven't done this much acreage track. What do you do? And I, I, I help people all the time. And, and my phone is always on. And uh, if I don't know, I, I, with my experience, I usually know someone that knows to refer them to. So, right. uh, But the more we right. help each and other, the better it is for everybody. Absolutely. And, and that's what I try to tell them. Like, the, the more knowledge you have as an agent and even your your client, buy them a copy of the book. Absolutely. Let them read it because if, 
section in the pre and post um, licensing for real estate agents that does cover a section on land a little bit more detail. Or at least refers Wouldn't your book. <laughs> or at least refer, or at least refers your book, you know, which they can do yeah. in a few minutes, yeah. right? Yeah. So. That would be funny. No, but I mean, you yeah. know, since since your first book came out, I think what I bought a quantity of them and you personally signed them to me. Thank you. And Teresa and everybody in our office, they know where they are. And if we got a buyer coming in or even a seller, I want to sell my lamb. Well, here, take one of these books. And it's an easy read. It yeah. is definitely, right, Teresa? Oh, yeah. I've got mine on my kitchen table, and it's getting ready to go on my nightstand so I can read it at night before I go to bed. You're going to do that, too? Oh, that's, that's so that's cool. Where it's yeah, going, it's, yeah. Uh, it, it is an easy read. I've actually, you know, my closer friends and stuff that have read it, they said it's so funny. When I read the book, I hear your voice. Uh, well, I agree with that. <laughs> so, I said, well, and it is a reading. I didn't want it. I didn't want it so complicated that it, it that I was speaking over people's heads, you know. So what I did when I was developing the book, I would have, you know, uh, some uh, some people that I would run into, and I'd say, hey, I need because you don't do real estate, you're doing, you know, a nurse or whatever, friend of mine or someone else. I said, I need you to read this. And if there's an area in here that, that you don't understand, then probably there's going to be someone else that doesn't understand it. So let me know. And once in a while I would have something, I'd have to reword something so it was clearer. But um, basically, like I'm speaking to you, this is how the book, the book is written. Came right out of the chute, didn't it? And that's the mm -hmm. best way. That's what makes it such a great book and easy to read. It's, uh, you know, uh, I hear your voice, too, as I go through it. And uh, So now we've transitioned the book, and now you have a class that's been approved by the North Carolina Real Estate Commission, along with mine. We now have two land classes approved in the state of North Carolina that no other state that I can find has even one or ever has had one. They've got some onesies, but not consistent. So now with our new company, Land Pro Education Services. Uh, we're providing your class. Uh, Mary's got two, my class, and we're going to add more. So tell us about the class. How does that differ from the book, or does it differ from the book? No, actually, um, my my um, online class follows the book, and it's in order of the way that you and I and Teresa or any of us land um agents would research property you start with the GIS then you find the owners then you want to look at you know the deeds and find then you find the information about the property and then once you get all your questions asked then you start going into the soils and the surveys and um, other stuff so it really follows in order of how we research and that was uh, that was intentional but the funny thing is um, Lou is that people recognize that in class have you ever been in a CE class or a class in general and they skip, like they, they may be oh, in yeah. chapter five and they'll say, let's yeah. go back over here to chapter nine and do this. That's a Bill Gallagher way of teaching. He does yeah. it He does it all the time, I, that, but oh, he does it brilliantly. Yeah. I mean, that would make me just crazy. I'm like, no, let's, let's go through this in order. <laughs> yeah. So it makes sense. And it, so, um, mm -hmm. so that was one of the things that, that about the, the online class, the self-paced class, the in-person class and the book, they are all consistent with with how we move forward. It just makes it easier to understand because once you, you know the property and you find the owners and you get these questions answered and you look through the deeds. I'll tell you one thing, and I know this is kind of jumping off subject. That's um, right. But one of the things, that the smallest chapter is the deeds chapter because we're not attorneys. Um, and... The main thing I needed for agents to understand in the deeds chapter, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this, is we need to start reading deeds. We don't necessarily need to understand it, but we need to get enough understanding on deeds to know there's four things in a deed and what to look for and look for easements because easements will help you to raise a red flag and go, oh, what is this easement for? Or is there, you know, anything in this deed that doesn't look normal? And just be aware of that because the worst thing you can do is get through your due diligence. A week from closing is when typically the attorneys decide to do a title search and they find in the deed, you know, a catastrophic problem that can't be resolved in a day or two. And then you have to postpone the, the closing. And worse, 
you can't close it because there's something on there that's not going to allow you to do what you want to on the exactly. property. Yeah. I just went through so, one of those uh, little two-acre lot in a little, uh, uh, I think probably it was eight-lot subdivision that uh, the father had bought the land. He broke it up for his children, uh, gave them each lots and, and the wheel. And, uh, and one of them called me up, and she said, I'm not planning to do anything with it. I've had it for years. I'm paying taxes. I want to sell it. A beautiful lot, laid good, and a little private road, had a, had a legal description in the deed. I pulled the deed, and I didn't see anything observe anything so we put it under contract and the agent that was working with the buyer called me up and says Lou we got a problem says uh, says the owner went back and did title work and three deeds back it's talking about restrictions well there weren't any restrictions on the deed I had I went back and I went to the back deed and it didn't have any I went back to the next deed it didn't have any but when I went back to the fourth deed he was right Said no single wides or no double wides, which he was happy with because they were building a pretty expensive home. But it said the uh, the home had to be 500 feet from the road frontage, and they didn't want to put the house that far back. So oh, wow. what happened was the attorneys that every time that deed was transferred, whoever did the deed work did not include that. So you know I got egg on my face, and I've been doing this. I'm a professional. But I don't usually go back. I'll go back one, uh, definitely one, and definitely two. But I don't really go back any further than that because a lot of them are handwritten, like, uh, you know, can't even read their handwriting, some of the real old ones. That's true. And, that's uh, true. But, you know, I don't care how careful you are in this business. And that's what's interesting about land is because there's always something, uh, you know, every once in a while that just comes and you've been doing it a long time. And, you, you know, just you can't teach all of this stuff, okay? I guess you could. Uh, and maybe we can, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, and that's what makes it interesting. What what do you like? Just quickly, the difference between being a home broker, house broker, and being a land broker. What what's your what's your view on that? Well, you know, when I started selling land, um, the beautiful thing about listing land is you don't have to be there when people drive by to look at it. Right, and a lot of times you know, they'll they'll do a little bit more research before they decide to walk it. And I love not having to be there to open up a house all the time. I loved being able to send a survey of a piece of property to see if they were interested, and then if they were, we could go walk it. Uh, I love walking land. I haven't done it in a while, uh, but I do love to walk property. I live on nine acres uh, next door to my parents, and I still love the privacy of land and the beauty of it and just I don't know just working with land is so much easier to me than than dealing with houses because houses seem to be an emotional purchase and land is uh it can be it can be emotional but typically it does it make sense and can we do what we want to do so it's not nearly as emotional to me as selling a house and don't you find that the uh, owners are, are more receptive to negotiating you know when you when you're selling your home uh, you want to move as much equity from that home that you've acquired into the next home. So you don't really get to negotiate that much. And, of course, when in the last couple of years it got crazy, we, you know, people offer $50,000 over because there's 12 offers on the table. That's true. You know, it got yeah, nuts. That's true. And I've seen a little bit in land, too, not that much, but I've seen a couple like that where I've sold stuff more than what, you know, multiple bids on it, and then it's like an auction, you know, highest bid wins. But, oh, yeah. uh, but on land, usually it's uh, most of the land comes from estates. People inherit them. Uh, they're not interested in it. They're paying taxes on it. People's dumping stuff on it, you know, all, hunting on it, blah, 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 blah. And they want to liquidate it. And, uh, you know, you put a good market price on it. But, you know, that's what I talk about RLI. If you want to buy or sell land, contact one of our RLI members, definitely an ALC if you can, nationwide. Because we know how to negotiate. I, I will save people a lot of money if they are buying, and I will make people more money if they're selling. Uh, I know how to play the game, and you do as well. So does Teresa, because we, you know, I teach you how to do that. But uh, right, it's uh, right. Yeah, you know, another thing uh, that came to mind, Teresa, when we were talking about surveys, I meant to tell you earlier, was that, um, and this is what I teach in my classes. You know, we've looked at surveys. Uh, our entire real estate career, and we, we know how to read surveys, but it is not 
our job to read a survey. And I tell these agents, if your client has a survey and they have a question on it, you have them call the surveyor. You know, ask call the professional surveyor on the phone yep. and ask them specifically Absolutely. to answer the questions that you have because you don't want to mislead them or tell them something that may not be exact. And if they get their answer from the surveyor who's performed the survey, then it's going to be not only you know more accurate, but they will have they will feel more comfortable about it, and you don't have the liability as well. And don't point out the surveys. They say, where's the corner? Say, well, this is where I think it is. What do you think? You mm -hmm. know, because you're not a surveyor. And I've had several realtors that, uh, you know, uh, was pointing out a stake of, of a lot, and, uh, and uh, the guy bought it and then spent $10,000 landscaping what he thought was the edge of his property. And the neighbor just sat there for days and laughed. And once it was all in, he went over to his neighbor and said, by the way, thank you for planting trees on my lot. But he oh said, my goodness! But that's what the, oh that's what the realtor told me. Said this was this was my line right here. Hey, we got to yeah. check out here. Uh, let me uh, tell people how they can get in touch with you, and uh, tell them how they can buy your book. And uh, oh, yeah, thanks, thanks, Lou. I appreciate it. So, um, so you can go if you want to purchase the book. You go on Amazon and make sure you look for the second edition. Um, which was just released a couple of months ago. The first one will still be there, but the second one has a lot more information than the first one. They're both equally good, but I think if you want more illustrations, um, I think you'll enjoy the second one better. Um, also, if you want to register for um, my class, you're going to end up going through Lou's website because he's going to link it to mine, which would uh, take you to digitalsane.com. And um, hopefully we're going to get a, a code for everybody to use whenever you hear this or go through web, uh, Lou's website, you will be able to use this code and it will help us with our marketing and that sort of thing and, you know, keep up with it and uh, looking forward to some new students and things like that. And hopefully we can help a lot of them. But just, yeah, Amazon, um, Amazon.com, look for 10 things you need to know about land. And what is your website and what is your contact information? So my website is Cheryl Sane, C-H-E-R-Y-L-S-A-I-N.com. And my phone number, if anyone wants to call me, if they have any questions, if I can answer just like you, Lou, I'll do the best I can. If I can't, I'll try to find the answer for you. But my phone number is 704-309-5067. Perfect. Thanks for joining us today. Let us know how you like the show. All questions and comments are welcome. This show is for the public and most importantly for real estate agents who do not have a source of land education. All of our shows can be found on our master website, which is www.letstalkland.net. Also, you'll find us on Spotify and Pondbeep. Teresa, how do they get in touch with you? They can call me at 336-209-2937 or email me at teresa.mylandpro at gmail.com. My email is lou, L-O-U, at mylandpro.com. My cell phone number is 336-669-1405. Our website for our company, LandPro Real Estate, is www.mylandpro.com. Our website for our school is www.landproeducationalservices.com. We'd like to thank our sponsors, landhub.com. Buying or selling land or farms, landhub.com is the place to be. And AcreValue. If you want to know who owns the field down the road or what it sold for last year, the best place to research land is all free at anchorvalue.com. Ronnie, how do you get in touch with us here? Well, Lou, they can go to our website. Go to WKTE1090.com, and also they can download the Simple Radio app, and here's anywhere they go. We mean travel. anywhere. Anywhere. Like cruise ships, anywhere. What? Yeah. Universe? Yes. Can we on Mars and listen to it? Probably so. Wow. Hopefully they'll tell us. Yeah. And what do we play, Teresa? Happy music. Why do we play happy music? To make everybody happy. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. She caught on. See? Yeah, finally. You thought she was How many shows again? have we done? She finally figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> 209 or 209. Yeah, crazy. Oh, my goodness. So, Ronnie. Uh, so much oh, for having welcome. me on today. This is this is wonderful. I really appreciate it. I'm looking <laughs> forward to doing some land classes with you. Absolutely. Roddy, how they get uh sorry. 
We want, what type of music can we play? Oh, beach and oldies. Bingo. There we go. Yeah. No wonder you're happy. <laughs> and we won some nice awards? Yeah, eight years in a row being the uh, top beach and oldies radio station. What? Yay. Yes. And you won a nice award, too. So. Yeah, the uh, Reader's Choice Announcer of the Year Award. Well, one to one. Mm, oh, congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So thank you for joining us today. God bless you. We'll see you soon next week.